Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Road to Restoration. Hi, I'm Pastor Sergio Delamora, and thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. This podcast was designed for people who are on the road of restoration or who need to be on the road to restoration or people who've gotten off the road of restoration or perhaps people who are weary of being on the road to restoration. Restoration is a work of the Holy Spirit. And because I'm a pastor, I'm going to see it through the lens of a Christian uh, worldview. Restoration does not happen when we want to. It happens when God says it's time for it to happen. We oftentimes put a clock on restoration and say, okay, I'll do the time. Now I want an outcome at the end. And oftentimes we come to God with an assumed outcome. And we assume that the outcome needs to be what we think it should be based on the time that we committed to it. And the truth is one day is like a thousand days to the Lord and a thousand days is like one day to God. The reason why I'm saying this is because the road to restoration begins with the word surrender. And when we talk about surrender, we talk about literally realizing that it is a lot, that surrender is the strategy. There is no other strategy but surrender. Because when you surrender on the road to restoration, God can begin to restore. And to help me in this conversation, I've asked my longtime friend, boy, over 20 years, I've known this gentleman. He's been a friend of my destiny, has been on my board in my ministry for 22 years. He has seen me rise. He has seen me fall. He's helped me get restored. He's been a voice of hope to me. I'd like to introduce to you my great friend, Pastor Dave Minton from Capital Christian Center. Pastor Dave, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here, Sergio. This conversation is personal, as you know, to me. When we talk about restoration and we talk about surrender, you've helped me surrender. Uh, you were the one that helped me understand the importance of surrendering control that Sergio things uh, may not look the same, but they're going to be better. And I struggled with that statement. And sometimes I still struggle with that. statement. <laughs> yes. But I found in the Bible, a story of men whose circumstances uh, were in dire straits. Everyone else was doing different things, but these four men, uh, they were lepers, yep. and we know that in the Bible, when you're a leper, uh, you're an outcast. And so let's consider these four guys who were outcasts in the community, who no one was looking or even interested in looking after them. They were considered the community rejects. And the Bible says that a famine hit the city, and no one, well, there wasn't any food. And they made a decision to surrender to the enemy, to basically as a way of finding food and shelter. But in their surrender, they found deliverance, not just for themselves, really good. but for everyone in the community. So I want to read a portion of the scripture. And Pastor Dave, I want to ask you if you'll talk with me about the subject of surrender. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse starting in verse 3 to verse 4, now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. Why should we sit here waiting to die? 
they asked each other. We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the enemy's camp. If they let us live, so much better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. I absolutely love their mentality. Yes. And their heart posture. And I realized in my own life, I came to a point where I realized I might as well just surrender. Can you talk to us or best yet, talk to us who have fallen or are in the process of falling or have lived with someone who has, who has fallen and they have to take the journey along with them. Sometimes people inherited others' failures. Sometimes it's self-inflicted failure. However, both have to surrender. And I, I, you've helped me so much so far in this process of restoration that I've been on to learn to surrender. Uh, can you share with someone your thoughts about the thought of we might as well surrender? Yeah, surrendering is really tough. Who really wants to do that? Right. You know, because surrendering is scary. Surrendering means I'm losing control. I'm giving up control. But those are all an illusion because we're never really in control. We never were in control. And, and we deceive ourselves because especially the more powerful our personality, the maybe the greater our leadership capacity is, we have the ability to project. We have the ability to... Um, shape things the way we want them to be. We're impose able to impose our will upon people, impose our will upon people, all of those things. And, and we, and we celebrate those in the area of leadership because that's, you're able to get things done. You're able to move things forward. You're able to make things happen. And, and so there's a place for positive influencing, but when we're in the middle of a crisis and maybe a failure now, if we try to use that leadership, it's manipulative. Now, if we're trying to use that leadership, it's controlling. Now we're trying to what? We're not trying to produce a good result with our leadership. We're trying to be self-preserve maybe our reputation, self-preserve our um, self-value, if you will. They're not good things that we're fighting for. So the whole idea of a fall and a surrender, when someone's falling, what do they try to do? They try to grab something to catch their balance. And what does the doctor say to people who end up in their room? Because you tried to break the fall, you actually hurt yourself more. Right. And, and, for you, you, and that's, that's the whole idea of surrender. It's like, God, I have to now let go of control. That's like these lepers. And that's usually where people get into so much pain. It's, it's usually we have to get into so much pain before we let go of control. Because what were their choices? Stay here and die. Go there and die. Okay, so they just happen to make the right choice. Like, well, well, at least if we stay here and die, we die miserable. But if we go there and die, we die at the sword. So surrender is a choice. Surrender is absolute choice. It's the choice of God. I'm 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 going to humble myself to you. What does the scripture say? When I humble myself, then He does what? He lifts me up. Mm-hmm. But so I've got to become teachable, and so that's the whole journey. When Jesus is in the cross or in the garden. He's, he's wrestling. This is Jesus. He's wrestling it through. And he's got to sit there and say, God, not my will, your will be done. And he trusted God's leadership. He trusted God's care. And he went on through. And then even on the cross, 
there's something a lot of people miss when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now he's given up control. Scripture says that God will never leave us nor forsake us. So we only feel forsaken. We're never truly forsaken by God. God will never forsake us. We only feel, it's only a feeling for us. But for Jesus, he literally was forsaken as he became sin for the world. So for God literally put judgment on him. Jesus was the only person that God ever, ever forsook. But then that's what he goes on to say. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But into your hands do I commit my spirit. I surrender. I surrender. In other words, he's still saying, even though you've forsaken me, my best choice is to trust you and surrender to you. And I know that decision. Yeah. I know there were conversations you would have with me on the phone that I would get off the phone and realize, Sergio, there is no strategy here. You can't dream yourself out of this. You can't buy yourself out of this. Manipulate your way out. You can't manipulate your way out. The only way you're going to get out is that you have to fully surrender to whatever is going to happen and trust that God has already seen the beginning, the middle, and the end, and he's in control. And, and, and I think it's really important we, we help people understand that's not a fatalistic approach. No. It's just giving up control. There were things you still wanted to hope, you're hoping would happen, you're believing, you're praying, you're, you're, yeah. you're wishing for the best outcome, but you don't get to control the outcome. And, and that's if, the hard part. And if you don't get the outcome you don't want, if you get bitter and offended at God, you never work. You're, now you're trying to manipulate God. No, to give up control is I'm believing for something, I want something, but I don't get to choose the outcomes. Even it's, it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before right? the king. Oh, King, know this today. Even if our God does not deliver us, we still will not bow to you. And and God, what, what, what happened? You know, they were saying we're giving up control and we allowed God to give them the outcome of the great victory. And I think oftentimes when people surrender or whether life is asking them to surrender, their mind gets in the way. Their, our will gets in the way. Our outcome gets in the way. When when a person surrenders, what are the first steps that you would encourage someone to take to say, okay, I'm ready to surrender? What are some practical things people can do to begin to take the journey of surrender? I think I think one of the first steps I would really encourage people, you know, of course, is they're being able to say, God, I'm trusting you. And 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 but that that's taking on humility. To me, pride is the strength of sin and humility is being teachable. So if God can save anybody, but if he can't teach you, he can't help you. So the first step of, uh, first step of surrender is to say, God, teach me. I'm humbling myself. I'm letting go of control. So bring people into my life. If, if that's a good counselor, if that's someone that's been down the road of what you're trying to overcome, but bringing the right team around you to surround you, to help you process well, think well. Because remember, we got ourselves in trouble with our thinking. And sometimes we need some people around us to help us think differently and have the, have the permission to challenge our thinking. And, and that's the whole renewing our mind and the feedback of getting good counsel. So you would say, 
first decision, make a choice. You're going to trust God and humble yourself before him and say, God, I give you permission. Yes. The second thing is to gather a team and people who are going to help you think different so that you don't get stuck in your own mind. Absolutely. I I believe in the power of renewing our minds, having the people in our life that give us wise counsel. There's a scripture I love in, 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 in Proverbs says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. What does that mean? What goes on in, in Proverbs 24, it goes on and says this, but a wise man is strong. So you put those two verses together. For me, anytime I'm fainting, getting overwhelmed in life, I don't have the right thoughts. I don't have the right thinking. I need better counsel. I need better thoughts. I need somebody to help me see things differently, interpret things differently. And, and so I need wisdom. How do you know you have the right people in your circle? Because you can have the wrong people in your circle. I mean, if someone's listening right now, they can very easily interpret this like, well, I'm going to go get my friend. I'm going to go get this person. How do you know you have the right people? What are some of the characteristics a person should be looking for? For, for me, I'll, I'll speak for myself and what I've seen. I want somebody that's going to give me the counsel of God. Okay. I, I, someone that is, is, is practiced and seasoned in the word of God and someone who um, uh, has then gone through their own experiences. So I don't want someone, I don't want just a, someone who has a theorist. I want someone who's actually gone through some stuff Yes. and have some life experiences so I can feel like I can connect with them and resonate with them so that, so that they have credibility with me. So, so the tooth for me is that they're biblical and that they've got some experience. And I think oftentimes people struggle to find people like that because the reality is they're found in the house of God. Yes. You know, that's why I want to just give a plug for church, why church is so important because you get surrounded in the community of faith. And in that community of faith, you can find a counselor, a thought, a person has the right thoughts to help you move forward and not be stuck. Um, I want to add one thing for surrender. And I want you to speak to this. When a person surrenders, they need to make the heart decision with God. They need to make the, so that's the vertical decision. Yep. They need to make the horizontal decision to bring people in. I want to also talk about this. People need to make a decision to have a new vision because sometimes we're so stuck with the old pattern and the old vision of our life that we don't give God permission to show us something new. These lepers, if they would have stayed with the vision that people that imposed upon them, projected upon them, you're good for nothing, you're an outcast, you can't contribute to society, then they would have never initiated. They would have never said, hold it, let's just go do this. Talk to us about helping someone have a new vision for who they are. That's really good, Sergio, because... When we, when we have a setback or a hurt, it's, of course, it's very painful. And we talked in one of the previous episodes about emotions. Well, sadness or grieving is a signal that I need to let go of something. Most people don't understand that if I'm grieving something, I'm really sad. But if I don't grieve well, I don't move forward to the next thing well. And I've learned that people grieve two ways. Yeah. Either wide very shallow and long or deep 
very short and it's deeper wide right and those who those who grieve shallow they don't really it, the grief something happens in their life that triggered them they go into grief and then they get stuck in sadness so now all of their future every new opportunity new relationships it's still going back to that trauma in their life that stays in all their new opportunities but those like you said that grieve deeply can say something in my life has ended something is now leaving my life a dream is leaving my life a relationship is leaving my life I have to let go of something I don't want to let go of, whether the death or divorce or some kind of termination. I've got to let it go. And now if I can let it go and grieve that well, now I can pivot and be ready to receive the new things that God wants to bring in my life, having done the work in my soul so that those new opportunities, new relationships, get a clean heart with someone that's having a resurrection in Christ to his new destiny for them. You're listening to the podcast, The Road to Restoration with Pastor Dave Minton and your host, Pastor Sergio Delamora. Thank you so much for listening. Pastor Dave, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Whether you're on the road of restoration, have fallen off the road, need to be on the road, or are weary on the road, this podcast was designed for you. Thanks for listening. Let your friends know that God is transforming lives on the podcast, The Road to Restoration. God bless you.